Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. friends and welcome to catch up with Louise Makshari. I hope you are well. This is the podcast that aims to catch you up in the week. If you haven't been paying attention, absolutely no problem. I am here along with my team of breathing contributors to help catch you up from news to pop culture to everything in between. Um, I have had a great week. Did the first ever live catch up with Louise Makshari on Sunday and it was great fun really really good fun and um if you were there thank you so much for coming there was such a nice vibe in the room uh I was so grateful to have a great supportive audience there and it made me feel like I would like to do more of that stuff so hopefully now uh we will have the opportunity to do that again in the near future and maybe even on a slightly larger scale because I did hear from lots of you who it feels like weirdly cocky to even say this but I did hear from lots of you who didn't manage to get tickets so hopefully there'll be lots more opportunities to do it um I won't lie I'm feeling like a little bit shook because I just watched the new episode of the Kardashians um they're back new series on Hulu which means new series on Disney plus for us in this part of the world and the first episode if you haven't seen it was dedicated basically to Chloe's son Chloe and her like you know, having a baby with Tristan, which if you watch the first series, the series ended with this conversation where they found out that Tristan was having a baby with someone else and Kim is on the phone to Chloe. And what we didn't see, what was revealed in this new episode was that on the phone, Kim said, you, you know, if this isn't a sign not to have a baby with this guy, then, you know, what is? And then she takes Chloe off speakerphone and gets on the phone and Chloe says, well, actually, I have to tell you that we did an egg implantation with a surrogate and it worked and the surrogate is pregnant. So the pregnancy had already happened before they learned all of this. And like the most dastardly thing about it was that Tristan knew that this was all going to come out. He knew that the, cause it all came out because of a court case. He knew the court case was coming and he was putting pressure on Chloe to kind of do the surrogacy thing before that date. He's a bad, like messed up bad guy. I actually bawled and you know, I was going to say I'm super cynical, but I'm not. But like, I do try to watch the Kardashians with a critical eye. Um, 
But I really just cried, 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 cried. I felt so sorry for her. Yes, sorry for her in her mansion with all her beautiful things. Because, you know, it doesn't matter what you have when you're hurt that badly and betrayed that badly. Like, my God, if you haven't seen it, I would recommend it. Um, If you need to cry, it'll definitely do the job. Anyway, there's not much else to say uh, ahead of the rest of the episode. We've got lots to talk about, so I might as well get straight into it. And this week, Aoife Moore, political correspondent from the Sunday Times Ireland, was joining us from a glamorous location. Aoife Moore, coming to us from a very glamorous New York City, uh, where she's just very casually at the UN today. Like, your life is, I mean, truly bonkers. No, I remember thinking when I went on the late late and as I was sitting in my knickers eating my microwave meal for one from Aldi, I was like, God, it really is slam in her face when it comes to the glam in my life. <laughs> truly, truly. Well, thank you. I so appreciate you making time for us and still uh, still doing this because you would have been well within your rights to take a week off. But no, she insisted. It's fine. Ever it's the professional. Um, we've got a lot of news to talk about and I suppose that we should start in what I believe is probably one of the most talked about stories of the week, which is what happened in Cherry Orchard in Dublin. Yeah, so Cherry Orchard for people outside the Pale is in West um, Dublin and everyone I'm sure has seen the videos, the social media videos of what I believe is a stolen car ramming a garden, a yard of car. Mm. Um, Cherry Orchard has been really neglected for around a decade. Um, you know, people's cars are being burnt out. There's just like an intimidation of the local people there. So every so often something like this does um, pop up. Luckily, no one was injured in the event with the Garda car being rammed. Um, but the two officers, one was out speaking to the media yesterday, um, said that they were both a bit shook by the whole thing. Um, yeah, because actually, because I mean, aside from the fact that there were cars crashing into them, there was also lots and lots of people kind of standing around and cheering, cheering like that yeah. would be so intimidating. Yeah, really intimidating. Um, so it's it's the event itself was awful but it sparked a wider conversation about cherry orchard and the areas in dublin where like they even said that yeah this happens and the guards were saying this happens a bad thing happens then we're given all this funding and we're given all these resources and then when the media pressure on it dies off they take the resources away yeah and like this is not how you're supposed to place it and like i have we as we know there's a serious uh, lack of trust in these areas with people and the Gardaí and that was no more you know illustrated than when they were cheering at them ramming the car so I think like there needs to be a serious way of like speaking to the community about the Gardaí and also giving these young people you know resources and everything else to make it a more prosperous area because this there's a reason this happens in Cherry Orchard and it doesn't happen in Donnybrook. Yeah, exactly. And like, you know, I saw Helen McEntee, Minister for Justice, talking about this and she was saying, you know, it's obviously incredibly difficult for all of the kind of, you know, ordinary people of Cherry Orchard who are living, you know, in an area where things like this continue to happen. Um, and you can't expect these things to go away if you don't try and get to the root of the problem. Exactly. And the journal is a really good piece um, this week talking like they spoke to a number of people who live in Cherry Orchard and they're just fed up. Yeah. They're intimidated. They don't want to come forward. They don't want to complain because they don't want their windows put in. They don't want their cars stolen. And yeah, there's just an ongoing issue. And, you know, I always remember in Lundry Hand's podcast and she talks, there's a fellow from Bally Fairmont. And he is in jail because he committed a crime. And he said, yeah, I'm in jail because I committed a crime and I'm paying my debt. But who's going to pay the debt for 
you know, places like Ballyfermot, you know, there's a social promise here that's been broken. Mm. And um, yeah, it's basically started a, a larger conversation, which I think definitely needs to be had. Mm. Yeah. So we'll watch that with interest. I mean, hopefully it won't be what they describe, which is, you know, an immediate kind of rush to do something mm-hmm. in the aftermath of a bad incident and then, you know, very quickly forgetting them. Um, Okay, and now uh, there's a cost of living protest happening this weekend um, on Saturday, Mm -hmm. and there is expected to be quite a large crowd, isn't there? Yeah, it does seem to be a big one. You know, the last we would have seen, like as a northerner, I'm always like really taken aback that you don't protest more because we love a march. We (laughs) we always out walking no matter what religion. Um, We're always out marching for stuff. So this they do reckon um, could be not as big as the water charges protest, which would have been the last kind of big ones that we saw. But you know, definitely about on, I don't, on a par with the last housing ones that we saw. So it's a, the coalition for the cost of living. So it's not one political party. Mm. It's people for profit, Sinn Féin, but it's trade unions, the National Union of Students, the Coalition for Old People. Um, and it's basically calling on the government to do more about the inflation spiral that we're in, mm. that, you know, the government's kind of flying all these kites about the budget and there doesn't seem to be a lot of a pl- there is a plan but whether the plan is actually going to work mm. so like father i was at the press conference the other day and father peter mcvary was there and he said listen this is a failed state where fail he said we had failed to provide access to housing free education health care mental health care and he said this is the responsibility of the government to meet the basic needs of its citizens and he is completely right mm. um and he said, he made such a good point. He was like, yeah, if you speak to any minister, they'll say that the Irish economy is extraordinarily successful, which it is. Mm. But we are also at, a, at the stage now where people are choosing between eating and heating. Yeah. And that's not extraordinarily successful. So who is it actually working for? So it's on the 24th of September. Uh, it's in Dublin. And I think because of the kind of non-political, but also the kind of variation of people involved, I do think it will be quite big. Yeah. It's interesting, like, talking to people... I sound like a politician now talking to people on the street but the man with two pints and <laughs> but truly like I was I was bopping around town yesterday and I met a few people and you know this comes up over and over again the cost of living crisis and the energy crisis because we're all you know suffering as a result of it or worried as a result of it or whatever and um, mm. and you know I did feel a general kind of sense of apathy about it about you know Mm -hmm. about there being any hope for change I think people are so fed up and I think when you read about the profits that are being made by some of these you know the relevant companies Mm -hmm. it's very hard to understand how we could possibly be in an energy crisis in the first place Mm -hmm. I know it's absolutely shocking and you see these huge conglomerates just making more and more profits and you know governments handing out 200 euro there and 200 euro here and you just don't feel like it's putting a dent in anything. Yeah. Um, I can't say a way out of it. I'll be interested to see, um, you know, how many people attend, first of all, and secondly, what the response is, because it's it's hard to believe at this point, I think, that there will be a useful response. But sure, well, look, I hope I'm wrong. Mm. Um, now, let's talk about what's going on in Iran. Yeah, so there's been some really distressing reports out of Iran this week. Um a number of protests over the death of an activist, um, Masa Amini. So Masa, um, the official cause of her death was that she had a heart attack, but we know that she was she was arrested by the morality police, which mm. don't they sound like good crack? Mm. Um, 
and she was arrested by the morality police in Tehran and accused of violating their strict hijab rules. Basically, she was this 22-year-old woman who said, listen, I don't want to wear the hijab like this. This is, you know, I'm free to do it. I should be free to do whatever I want. Mm. Um, officials have said that she had a heart attack, you know, the very common cause of death in 22-year-olds. Mm. Um, but her family blame, have blamed police. And there is reports. They say that she was beaten with bats and she suffered a brain injury. And that was the cause of her death. Now, women, especially in Iran, have taken this really to heart. And they have started protesting all over um, Iran and set fire to their headscarves. Um, there was also kind of solidarity protests in like Toronto and Berlin and other big cities mm. in solidarity with her family. Um, there was a huge one in Istanbul where people, women cut off their hair. I am loving this. Like yeah. they were cutting their ponytails off and stuff. Yeah, it's incredible. Um, yeah. And then three people, including a 16 year old boy, were killed in protests in Iran and the security forces opened fire on protesters um in her home city on monday so this is an ongoing not even scandal of how they treat people in iran or the government treats women in iran but now the people are starting to fight back mm. uh, women very much at the heart of this mm. and it's now getting global attention which i always think is a good thing when it comes to this because we can get so kind of wrapped up in our western yeah um issues and since you know america has left the Middle East for the most part you don't hear as much yeah you know about about the Middle East so mm. I always enjoy saying like I feel so bad for this woman's family mm. and then even they say oh no no like she had a heart attack <laughs> all because she doesn't wear like wear a hijab it's like I even read that it wasn't even necessarily that she wasn't wearing a hijab it was just that her some of her hair was showing her, it was like the front of her yeah like her, her hairline like her hair. yeah so she had the back of her head covered I think um, it's been really moving to see women taking to the streets. You know, it's so incredibly brave. You know, mm-hmm. I to see women throwing their, you know, hijabs onto a fire. I saw a video this morning mm-hmm. of a woman throwing her hijab onto a fire and then dancing. You know, mm-hmm. like these are incredibly brave things to do. You because know, they know what their governments are capable e- of. Exactly, to, like in the yeah. aftermath of this exact thing. Um, and I can't imagine how difficult it must be because, you know, I know Muslim women and I've had conver- many conversations with Muslim women about their choice to wear a hijab and what it means mm-hmm. to them and why it's significant yeah. to them. And, you know, I, I think it must be very difficult for those women as well who have, yeah. you know, their own personal reasons for wearing a hijab, um, you know, but, but they have a choice. Be- I was going to say, yeah, that's what I was just about to say. It all comes down to choice. Mm. Um, and like I have, you know, one of my friends, his wife, when they started going out, she didn't wear one. Mm. Um, and then she decided herself that she was going to start wearing one. And it was very much her decision. And it was about to her relationship with Allah. And that's the thing. It's like, it's supposed to be your choice. And this, even the notion, what, what morality police means is woman police. Mm. Because they're not worried about the morality of men unless those men are LGBTQ plus, mm. you know. Mm. Well, we'll watch with interest. Um, it's hard to imagine that there will be significant change, but, you know, I guess... I don't know. Like, we've seen uprisings in the Middle East before, and it does seem that the governments are deeply unpopular, so it's definitely worth keeping an eye on, I think. Yeah, fingers crossed. Um, mm-hmm. Now, uh, this one, I could have put this in your slot. I could have put it in pop culture, uh, but I decided to yes. gift it to you, my friend, because we are talking about the case of Adnan Saeed, uh, who many of us will be familiar with from the Serial podcast. Um, and it was a lot of big news this week. 
I think Serial was the first podcast I ever listened to. Oh, really? I'd say it was a lot of yeah. people's, yeah. Yeah, and, like, even when I'm... Um, the girl who narrates it was doing the New York Times episode for it. And I was like, God, her voice is so, I just, it took me right back to when I listened to it the first time. Yeah. But, it was um, Sarah Koenig, yeah. wasn't it? I think. Sarah Koenig, yeah. yeah. So a Baltimore judge on Monday ordered the release of Adnan Syed. So those who haven't listened to Serial, Adnan Syed is a Muslim man who was charged in 1999 with the murder of his ex-girlfriend, Heyman Lee. And the to be honest like even when you listen to the podcast it, the whole trial was a shambles from the outset mm. he had an alibi the evidence was very circumstantial this fella had no you know history of violence anything like that but he's been in jail um for 22 years mm. for a crime he has always con- said that he did not commit mm. and on monday the rule it was ruled that the state violated its legal obligation to share exculpatory evidence with his defense team Mm. So basically saying they kept evidence from the defense team uh, that would have changed the jury's mind. Um, and he is not necessarily released. Like, woohoo, it's um, the state have 30 days to decide whether they're going to yeah. seek a new trial or, di- or dismiss the case completely. But he is out. There are very sweet videos of him in his, I believe it's his brother's house. And he's just <laughs> taking stuff out of the fridge and eating it. And he's like, what's this? what's this what's this he has a dumpling for the first time and um well like someone pointed out that when he went to jail like 9-11 hadn't happened yet exactly yeah like very very long time ago now the world I mean the world has changed so so much yeah because they were boyfriend and girlfriend yeah Lee so him and Lee was 18 she was strangled and killed and she was found in a park um there was he had a couple of trials in the first trial Ended in a mass trial. The second trial then in 2000, he was convicted of murder mm. and sentenced to life. He's only 41 and he spent around 22 years all in. Mm. On Monday, he was led into the court in handcuffs. And then there was part of, I actually got goosebumps when I read it, but the judge then ordered at the end his handcuffs to be taken off and for him to walk out the front door. Mm. And they were trying, <laughs> uh, his best friend who, Rabia, who, went to Sarah Koenig with the podcast idea, like basically has been fighting her whole life mm. to get Adnan out of jail, was trying to give a speech and she was just drowned out by cheering. Mm. Like people, like you couldn't even hear her. Mm. Um, so yeah, Rabia Choudhury is definitely the hero in this. Mm. She is a lawyer, but she was Adnan's friend. Mm. Uh, I think it was her brother's best friend or something. Mm. And everyone always believed in their community that he was innocent. And Rabia, she was a solicitor herself. She went to Sarah Koenig and was like, this is what happened to my friend. Mm. And that's how the podcast started. And it's very much, it was like what we saw in Australia there recently with the murder trial over there as well mm. of the podcast sparking a second investigation. Yeah. And then someone being either convicted or released. Um, I think Serial have released a new episode. I haven't had a chance to listen to it yet, yeah. but um, I think there is a new episode uh, that has been released um, as a result of this. And I suppose, you know, you have to also feel for the family of Heyman Lee who, yeah. you know, are... I was just going to say, so like they're kind of at scene, you know, like even their statement, like her family said it remains hard to see so many run to defend someone who committed a horrible crime who destroyed our family who refuses to accept responsibility when so few are willing to speak up for hey mm. unlike those who learn about this case on the internet we sat and watched every day of both trials so many witnesses and so much evidence so they obviously still believe 
that he did it. Yeah. And it's very, and like, of, like those people deserve closure and justice and that's all they want. And also if it is the case that Adnan didn't do it, it is the police and the person who murdered Heyman Lee that let them down. Mm. Not, Absolutely. I know who murdered him and did more than let him down, but you know what I mean. Well, I mean, we'll see now because, as you say, he's not out for good necessarily. Like, he's no. out for 30 days. But I thought it was interesting that, um, you know, in the new episode, I'm just reading that Sarah Koenig said, according to the prosecutor's office, they didn't set out to pick apart Adnan's case, their own case, mind you. They say it just kind of crumbled once they took a hard look, which is, I mean, pretty mm. telling. Yeah, it really is. Well, I mean, we don't have to say that we'll be watching because we're all watching it. The world is watching, really. It is incredible the impact that media, this kind of media, can have now. Um, yeah, and like you hear what you like armchair detectives and these like <laughs> people who are like super on the true crime on the internet and stuff. Mm. And yeah, it's we're in a global world, Louise. Absolutely. Well, Eva, off you go now to the UN and. Uh, <laughs> Like Sounds literally that's what she's doing. It's it's so <laughs> nuts. Like it is yeah, so nuts. Yeah. If you knew the things I've seen this girl do. <laughs> I'm joking. If you had seen me in the George <laughs> on Sunday night, you would be like, there's a candidate for the UN. <laughs> Will I edit that out? <laughs> no, keep it. Keep it on. Okay. There you go. She 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 always keeps it real. Okay, my friend, uh, have a great day. Can't wait to hear all about it next week and um, and we'll talk to you soon. Even more okay, political correspondent you. for the Sunday Times. Ellen Keane was Ireland's youngest ever athlete when she swam in the 2008 Beijing Paralympic Games at just 13 years old. She is a Paralympic gold medalist and in her spare time earlier this year, she became a finalist in Dancing with the Stars. Ellen was born with an undeveloped left arm and has become an incredible role model for young people with similar disabilities. Earlier this week, we had a chat about the challenges that come with that role and why she's so passionate about promoting positive body image. Ellen Keane, it is such a pleasure to have you on the podcast. Um, I always love any opportunity I have to speak with you. Uh, How are you doing? I am good. I'm so excited to be here. This is where I get my news every week. <laughs> oh, well, would you believe Aoife Moore now is just in the room behind me getting dressed. We apparently are physically joined at the hip now um, because we stayed together last night after the, the live podcast. So I can have her pop in and give you a little a little update if you want. <laughs> yeah, tell me what's going on in the world. <laughs> um, but um, it's, I mean, there obviously is a reason that you're here to talk to me today. And it is, we both are working with Dove as part of the Dove Self-Esteem project um, which I have to say is probably my favorite bit of work that I do in the year because it's so important. Maybe you could explain a little bit for people who who don't know kind of what the self-esteem project is and, and why you work with them. I guess like you said it's it's one of the most important things I feel like I do um, because Dove have basically done this in-depth research and they found out all these kind of really scary stats about the young people in our in our world and nine and 10 girls and six and 10 boys have low self-esteem. Mm. Um, and because of that, they're choosing to opt out of things. Mm. They're choosing to nearly make themselves small yeah. and not experience life to the full. And, and they don't know how to be confident. And Dove has basically put all this uh, research together and created the Dove Self-Esteem Project, which is an online tool for teachers, for parents, for, for mentors to help teach kids how to, how to kind of grow their self-esteem and mm. how to live 
their best lives. And the reason why it's it's so important to me to be part of this is because I did really suffer with like my body confidence, my self-esteem, and even like who I was as a person growing up. And it, mm. it really hit me when I was um when I was maybe 11 or 12 and it's because of my disability and, mm. and that's where it stemmed from and I didn't have anyone to look up to and I didn't have anyone to compare myself to and to to know that it's okay to be different and it's mm. okay to embrace your differences and I guess what we're seeing now especially because of social media is there there seems to be like one image and one body type and one thing that everyone is striving to be and it's so unrealistic um so that's why I love being part of it because I have a different body um I've learned to to love myself and I've learned to love myself through sport yeah and kind of been my outlet but before that like I I think I also chose swimming as well not because of my arm but I used to be like the sweatiest kid ever <laughs> When it came to PE and like my school didn't have like didn't have a good PE uniform for like sport at all. It was like those O'Neill tracksuit bottoms and a really thick grey hoodie. And you never want to wear grey when you know you're going to be exercising. Yeah. So even like PE, I would struggle with so much and not want to do because I was so insecure about sweating. So yeah. swimming obviously was the perfect sport for me to get involved in. And. Mm. Um, but growing up, like I used to hide my arm so much. I would nearly shrink myself. I would, I I think now I'm kind of like an outgoing person, but there are still times where I, I doubt myself. Mm. And that's because of how much I doubted myself as a kid. Like mm. I wouldn't talk to anyone. I found it so, so hard mm. to have a conversation and be confident in myself. And mm. um, it was only through sport and learning, learning, how great my body is and Mm. what it can do rather than what it can't do that I was really really happy in my sport and I was really happy in like what being physical and and what I was doing and it was only in society when I went when I wasn't in the pool Mm. when I wasn't in my swimsuit that I tried to hide myself Mm. Um, and it took a long time like it took until I was 19 to and starting college and kind of having a new beginning and a fresh start that I decided I want to try and be as happy as I am in the pool outside of the pool yeah and and I didn't have any help with that but that was kind of like a nearly like a come to Jesus moment where it was like it's now or never it's Mm. like this is a moment where I'm gonna have to live a really insecure small life forever or I'm gonna take this opportunity and and just kind of be brave yeah And, and that's what the Dove self-esteem project is kind of preventing it's it's kind of intervening before you get to that point and they've partnered with the shine festival mm. which is uh for young girls between 10 and 17 i believe um and it's going to be on uh, in association with the international day of the girl so mm-hmm. it'll be between the 11th and the 12th of october and they're sponsoring the wellness stage mm. and it's basically an opportunity for us to kind of tell our stories yeah to show girls that they're not alone yeah it's funny like you know I think there was so much of what you said there that I thought was interesting like you know the idea that 
aside from, you know, the difference in your body and other people's bodies, that even something like PE in school, you know, I think so many girls would probably relate to that feeling of like, oh, when I do when I do exercise, I'm a sweaty mess or I don't look good or whatever. And like as kids, you kind of don't give yourself permission to ever look less than perfect or as teenagers, certainly as teenage girls, that was that was my experience that like, you know, everything had to be exactly right all the time. But what I think is really interesting as well is that that then carries through to adulthood because I think there are lots of adults myself included who maybe avoid certain things because you feel like you're gonna you you know you won't look like everybody else while you're doing it like me genetically my family are red-faced and sweaty the minute we do anything physical like my son is god love him he he I see it in him and he's (laughs) such an active kid like it's not a matter of fitness it's just in our genes (laughs) we just I mean it's sometimes it's a matter of fitness but like it's in our genes that that's what we are and that definitely has put me off exercise at times and when you talk about it like you know in black and white it feels kind of silly because you know you're like oh come on but these are real things that become barriers particularly for women they definitely are and even like now today like I my job is being an athlete like it's it's normal for me to be sweaty and I would still get slagged nearly from my teammates for being the sweatiest one on the team but like that's not an issue for me anymore and I nearly embrace it but like when you're even when you're an athlete as a kid like you'd nearly not put your all into something because you're afraid of sweating Mm. and you're afraid of being judged and you're afraid of of standing out and being different um but that's why it's so important to have these kind of role models and to have these people who are like nearly succeeding in what their in what their field is saying do you know what that's exactly what I went through and Mm. and I had to go through that and I had to embrace that to be successful yeah Um, and like I honestly I say this all the time that being different is nearly the most important thing that you can be because if you're a carbon copy of everyone else like you have no personality you have nothing about you and and no one's really ever going to remember you Mm. I always like I use this as an example because I think it's just so funny how like how nearly naive I was to it but um I met Danny from the Coronas at um uh an awards thing after the Rio games and like I was I'm the biggest Coronas fan and he was like oh my god yeah I'll, like I'll get you tickets to a gig here's my email and my when I emailed him my email to him was hi remember me I'm the girl at one arm like I always, <laughs> <laughs> no one's ever gonna forget the girl at one arm so I'm yeah. just gonna like put it out there yeah. um, but, but it is like it's and and I listen to your podcast all the time and the guests that you have on as well like it's all about talking about embracing your differences and, and embracing what makes you different and special and I just kind of that's why I love working with Dove because because it, it is about embracing those things and it makes the world so much so much more beautiful like yeah it's just I think it's so sad that it can take a really long time to realize that you know and that's why you know like that statistic because obviously because I work with Dove as well like I've I've you know mulled over that statistic so much nine in ten girls you know with you know don't feel good about their bodies and like that's you know heartbreaking because there's there's no reason you know to feel that way but the reason is that you know they're growing up in a world which still kind of is fixated on you know classical beauty ideals and like a very narrow idea of what's acceptable and it's funny I think because 
you know, the media has diversified, like certainly compared to when I was a kid. I don't know how you feel, but like, you know, there there are lots of different people now in the media, you know, and in films and on TV and all that kind of stuff, way more. But still, girls seem to be growing up with this idea that, you know, they have to be perfect all the time. Um, it, it makes me so sad. It is sad. And sometimes I think in the media as well, like things are changing but I don't know if, if you've noticed this. Um, sometimes it can feel like a tick the box exercise. Yeah. And it can feel like, especially as I have a disability, it's nearly like, oh, Ellen's the disabled one. We'll invite Ellen places. And nearly me and Patty Smith, who's also disabled, yeah. have this whenever we're at events that we're the disabled ones. Yeah. <laughs> we're, the, we're the usual invited disabled ones that get to go places. Yeah. Um, and as much the thing is like and as much as you like sometimes you do notice the tokenism and you do notice the tick box it's nearly like you have to accept that for now mm. and make as much noise as possible about being there yeah. and make so so obvious that you are taking up that space yeah so that the next person coming through has the confidence yeah yeah that's really interesting I've seen um my friend Zeda um she is a stylist she's a um she's a I think she's a fashion editor for like VIP and Stellar and stuff she's amazing she's uh, she is gas as well but I, I saw her, her yeah she's amazing but I saw her post recently about um a kind of internal conflict that she was having you know and she was saying when you have to question whether the opportunities that you're getting are you getting them because you're great which she is or are you getting them because people want to diversify it because that is black and you know I I I kind of I can imagine what that feels like you know it's not quite the same like I sometimes I do feel like I'm the only fucking fat oh excuse me <laughs> so I forgot I forgot what I was even what I'm doing yeah yeah I suppose I can say what I want yeah but I sometimes you know I feel like I'm the only fat person who's being invited to anything <laughs> and I'm just like oh god like you know it's it's a shame but it's not the same as as what you're talking about which is a very specific experience of being a minority and you know that feeling and and I it's got to be kind of tough because you want to be there and you're happy to be there but at the same time like yeah it um, is it is it is a struggle and it's nearly like even because I did Dancing with the Stars yeah I was very aware nearly the weight that I had on my shoulders about it and mm. like me Erica talked about this because she like it, it we had nearly like a comparison that we were we were there for ourselves and obviously we were there to represent our our minorities but we didn't just want to be known as Ellen's there for the disabled and Erica's there for the black girls mm. it's really really important to us to not just be that and to be bigger but it can nearly drown you like it is it is re a really heavy weight to carry and I do I like I do get upset about it because I'm given all of these opportunities and other people aren't mm. and I nearly have to make noise about like why aren't you giving this person an opportunity or yeah. that person an opportunity and you nearly just don't want to annoy people or piss people off because at the same time you're like if I mess this up other people will be affected by it as well yeah and you nearly kind of get sick of your the sound of your own voice yeah. as well talking about it. <laughs> yeah like, I know that feeling <laughs> and, you know in those moments where you're like I'm so sick like so many people have seen my arm at this stage like they don't care anymore <laughs> then you get a message from like a mom or a dad or a family member or a kid who's like you helped me embrace myself or because of you I did this and that like when you get those messages mm. it's like you nearly have to like 
like it's so you just get so emotional you just get because you see the bigger picture and you always see the bigger picture when things like that happen but yeah I I totally I can relate to that in such a big way but but it is that like you know when I think about I don't know say the first time I was nominated for a VIP style award I was like you know, this isn't serious. But at the same time, I was like, I need to wear an amazing outfit. I need to do this like the best way I possibly can. Because, you know, if I had seen someone who was, you know, in a bigger body, if I had even seen one person in a magazine in a bigger body, it would have meant a lot to me, you know. And so if I'm the person who's being given this opportunity, who gets to be nominated for this, these style awards, who gets to be in the pages of this magazine, then maybe there's a teenager, you know, like me who might see it and go, oh, I can, you know, I don't have to assume that that kind of thing isn't for me because of the body that I'm in, which is what I did assume. And and with you, I can only imagine what it must mean you know, yeah. for kids who have disabilities at all, but especially a similar disability to you. I mean, it must be absolutely world opening for them. Yeah, like I, I would be quite similar to you when I get invited to those things. Like I really think about what I'm wearing and mm. I, I I always like literally straight onto ASOS, one-armed dresses, one-armed outfits <laughs> to try and like, I'm like, damn it, it's the, it's the wrong arm that they're covering. And <sighs> uh, but it is really important. And I had this conversation with, with uh, my boyfriend's niece and we were talking about, cause I currently have a prosthetic. I never wear a prosthetic and I currently have one that I've had for years and I'm in the middle of putting like jewels on it mm. forever. But she was like, why are you doing that? And she's like eight years old. And I was like, because I don't wear a prosthetic, but maybe there's a little kid out there who does. And like the prosthetics that they make these days are really, really, really disgusting. Like they're not, they're not fashionable. They're not, they don't even look like arms. They don't even look like legs. They're just kind of like this idea, this mannequin like looking arm. Mm. And, and I was like, I want to be able to wear this to an event and show them like it can be fashionable. It can be anything that you want it to be. Mm. And she was just like, oh, I understand. Like, I get that. Like kids mm. are just so so good at accepting things Mm. and the innocence of it all like that's why these stats are so sad because Mm. it's as soon as they hit teenage years that become insecure and they start to date themselves and when they're kids they're having like I when I was a kid I was like the happiest kid in the world running around not a care in the world I used to think that short sleeve t-shirts were made for people like me (laughs) (laughs) I love it just happened to be wearing them (laughs) And that is honestly so important. And like, they're like, I do get upset as well about when I see misrepresentation. Um, mm. And there was like, I think it was last year, the witches that came out. Mm. I don't know if you saw this online, but um, the witches with Anne Hathaway, they had like uh, mannequined the hands to look a certain way. And if you had your hands a certain way, then you were a witch and all. But it's a really common disability mm. um, to have your hands like that. and like all all like arm amputees or, or people with like hand impairments got so offended because it was like you're showing kids to be afraid of disability and yeah. when you look at the media or when you look at movies or the media like the villain is always disabled the mm. bad is always disabled and it's it's I thought we got to the point where we weren't going to do that anymore mm. and then you look back on, and, and you see what's still going on and you're like I'm so tired of this like yeah. it's I want to keep fighting and I want to do more, but I don't have the energy. And yeah. literally, I guess I I actually kind of struggled during dancing as well because I was getting so tired from kind of carrying the weight. Mm. And I 
I knew I, I knew I needed to keep going and I knew I need, I wanted to keep going and I wanted to enjoy it. But mm. there were times where I literally was like, I'm so tired. I just want it to stop. Yeah. I just want to be normal like everyone else. I don't want to have to do this representation, but yeah. we have to because it, it's, it's for the next generation and making, making it easier for them. Yeah. Well, Ellen, like, thank you so much for being so frank about all of this. I think this has been a really great and interesting conversation. And, you know, I'm really glad that you are there and that you are advocating and that you are a representation of just how brilliant and multifaceted and joyful, you know, your life can be no matter what kind of body you're in. Um, but I to I relate so hard to that. Like it is hard work. It's hard work having to be the one who has to respond, having to be the one who has to speak up, having to be the one who, I mean, I'm sure it happens to you as well open up your dms and you've got people saying have you seen this terrible thing have you seen this offensive thing have you seen that when you know it, when you know the the offensive things are directly about you like it's it's it is hard but i think what you're saying is and i agree with you is that it's worthwhile because it, it has to be done yeah 100 is and i i respect every single person out there who does it mm. and even like influencers like i i don't know how influencers do it there's a like social media can be good and bad, but I know that in social media as well, there's a lot of great advocates and a lot of great people putting their bodies yeah. out, being brave and, and putting the message out there for yeah. everyone else. So like if you're struggling on social media, if you're listening to this and you're a young person struggling on social media because you can't find your your community or your person or mm. someone like you, just keep looking because they're out there. They really are. And I've learned so much, even even as an adult, I still learn every day things I didn't know that I could do. Mm. And like, I've seen someone put eyelashes on with no arms. Like, yes. I can't put eyelashes on at all. It's the most stressful thing ever. But there's always a way of doing something. Yeah. And I think that's such an important message to yeah. know. Oh, I agree. Ellen Keane, thank you so much. I'm looking forward to seeing you at the Shine Festival. Um, and hopefully lots of other times soon. I really appreciate you making the time for me. And um, we'll talk soon. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host.
This week, the world of entertainment was full of wild moments from the UK media's absolutely deranged treatment of Meghan Markle to Adam Levine's creeptastic behaviour. Fortunately, I was joined by Orla Condon, who you probably know as the host of My Pod on Paper during Love Island times, but who also just launched a brand new pop culture podcast this week. Let's get the loading. Orla Condon, I am only delighted to have you back in a big week in your life uh, to cover the entertainment stories. Tell everybody why this is such a big week. It's a big week, Louise, because I'm launching a new podcast. I've launched, past tense, it's up, it's It's living and breathing in society. Um, Yeah, don't quote me, new pop culture podcast. Um, I felt like I was a bit, I've used this this uh, analogy a few times so apologies to anyone who, who's heard me make this joke but I feel a bit like Mariah Carey after Christmas like I kind of get mm-hmm. maybe not Mariah maybe more of a Michael Boobs type vibe you know what I mean like mm-hmm. after Christmas packed away not to be bothered for like another 10 months and then I'm back and like that is me for Love Island yeah um, and I'm just too needy I'm like I need to like I'm more to say and I'm um, now I'm trying to find a way to to do that. So don't quote me is my my way of doing that. Well, um, I'm delighted. Yeah. Uh, congratulations. Um, and I you. was, uh, you know, I wanted to to have you on so that, I mean, first of all, obviously we could talk entertainment, but also so that everybody could know that there is another option for you in addition, obviously, <laughs> to this podcast. Um, yeah. Okay. But there's but there's so much space, right? And I feel yeah, like... Yeah, I agree. I, I obviously listened to your, your, your episode last week with Fanula and obviously mm. she launched Lab Culture. Mm. and it's so interesting because I you said something in the interview where you're just like I consume so much pop culture mm. and like I, I'm the same I consume so much whether it be like like breaking news like what's happening or going back and binging on things that yeah. I missed or just finding this like celebrity story that I never knew before and yeah. I'm like this is gas there's so much to consume mm. and I love that like the Irish podcasting space while already heaving with options mm. was kind of like pop I feel like in the last couple of years we've kind of been missing some pop culture commentary yeah. and I feel like there's all these podcasts popping up that are kind of filling all of these voids like Housewives and Me during lockdown was just like mm. a blanket wrapped around me as I was walking <laughs> through my journey of Housewives so like mm. I feel like we're all covering kind of different spaces and for people like you and me that just like just absolutely horse into this kind of stuff yeah. it's like oh brilliant like here's some more so that's what I'm hoping that's what I'm hoping no I that's think you're absolutely right I think you're absolutely right um but let's get stuck in because there is a lot of news yes. as always let's start yes. actually this is a good week because I have been really busy this week obviously I did my live podcast on Sunday and that took up yes, a lot of my time thank you and you then I was amazing oh thank I you was, I was like double tap double tap, double tap, double tap, double tap. <laughs> no it was really fun but um, uh, like I just have been really busy as a result because it took up a lot of my time last week so I haven't been able to plug into these stories entirely so I need you desperately to tell me I'm here exactly <laughs> what what happened with Adam Levine and a baby name and cheating oh. and what's going on right okay so Adam Levine last week him and his wife announced that they were expecting their third baby Bahati Prinsloo a Victoria's Secret model you'll definitely recognize her face um you'll obviously recognize Adam Levine from Maroon 5 those songs that you may love or hate I'm not going to share my opinion on them uh (laughs) three days later a woman called Sumner Stroh who is an Instagram model who might be familiar to some of you posted a TikTok video where she shared screenshots of DMs reportedly from Adam Levine now the screenshots show the verified Adam Levine name all that kind of stuff looks pretty legit on first glance but as we know these things can be doctored she shared 
snippets of these DMs where she alleged that she had been having an affair with Adam uh, for a year and then they had kind of went their separate ways for a period of time and he popped back up in her life with another DM after a few months saying that him and his wife were expecting a baby a baby boy and they wanted he wanted to name the baby Sumner which is her name and he asked her if that was okay which I'm like I'm like, this is, when we talk about consent, Adam, this isn't what we're talking about, okay, honey? Like, this isn't the text that you got to send. So she was like, what the actual bleep? Can we curse on this podcast? Go this for it, baby. babe. Go Not for it. the actual fuck. Because, <laughs> like, what are you talking about? Yeah. And she, out of shock, screenshot this and sent it to, like, a couple of her friends being like, gals, like, what's going on here? Like, yeah. this is outrageous. And they then one of them then went and tried to sell it to a tabloid. She got a notification last week from a tabloid saying that they wanted her for comment for a story they were going to release. So in order to beat the tabloids, she released this TikTok video where there's all so these how would you f- That's a bit like, okay, if we believe that that's what happened, you know, obviously yes. we take all of these things with a pinch of salt. But yeah. like, that's a really shitty thing to do to your friend. Shitty. Like, and I also just think like, how much money would she have made from that sell? I yeah. don't think she's making, I don't think she's I know. making like life-changing money. Do you no, know what I mean? when people talk about selling stories, I'm like, guys, newspapers are in crisis. Like, no. <laughs> they don't have hundreds of thousands of whatever yeah. currency you're in to spend on these kind of stories anymore, I don't think. This is it. Like, I think people think of like the Britney Spears 2007 era or like Princess Di when like paps were making like, hundreds of thousands of dollars off these kinds of stories yeah. there's not that kind of money there anymore it's just we have so much access ourselves yeah exactly the values all yeah. that stuff so I just don't think it's worth I don't think the sum of money would have been worth absolutely destroying a friendship over but that's no. just me yeah um so she put out this video quite frantically she said she made it really quickly to try and beat this story she got slammed in the comments because she wasn't apologetic enough and she wasn't this enough and that enough and she was in a relationship with a married man and it's not all his fault all this kind of commentary Mm. so she came back with another video where she said that she had tried to reach out to Bahati and tell her before uh, but Bahati wasn't acknowledging those messages whether that means she saw them or you know yourself sometimes these things can go to the request yeah absolutely um, but based on the timestamps, we're working out that Adam popped back up in the in the DMs around kind of June of 2022. Mm. So that's pretty recent. He's now obviously having a child. He came out with a statement where he says that he didn't cheat. There was no like P and V action. There was no mm-hmm. sexual intercourse, but there was inappropriate DMs, which he knows is wrong. I am suspicious of both parties, but I'm also just like, I just... I, there's a PR thing and they always say it about housewives and I can't think what it is now, but it's like admit to what you you won't be able to deny or admit to what you admit to what they can they can prove and mm. deny what they haven't got evidence for. Mm. It's like that kind of idea, right? So like mm-hmm. she had the DMs, she could prove that he was being inappropriate in the DMs. So, so he had to admit to, admit to that, yeah. But like she doesn't have any other proofs that they had and that they did anything physical or it went any, any further than that. So he can deny it. I don't know if I buy it. I think mm. on the very at the very least what he did was absolutely inappropriate and totally wrong and a betrayal of trust for his yeah. wife who was pregnant at the time yeah, and he knew that so it's wrong and it's it's wrong and since then we've had two more girls come forward one has kind of been dismissed as potentially just a bit of clout chasing yeah. 
she deleted some of the videos afterwards there didn't seem to be any kind of super flirtatious messages um and it seemed as if she was kind of leading the way on those conversations but mm. there was another woman who had pretty graphic like pretty flirty dms that she also shared and she's come out and said that she's experienced it his <sighs> yoga instructor from years ago has said she also received inappropriate messaging like at the very least like there's people being like but he didn't cheat it's like at the very least he was dark he's asleep girls yeah like, while his wife was carrying their child just like, like why are they like this like it's just like so pathetic can you not go a single yeah. day without validation from women it's so tragic it's um so tragic and it, and as well it's this whole conver- conversation of and we've seen emily rashkowski come out and speak about this because there was obviously a lot of blowback on sumner stroh mm. on you know how how dare you kind of you know get with a man who was married yeah she says she was 21 22 at the time she was new to la mm. she believed them to be separated because mm. that's what he told her and she believed that was just like an a-list thing to do that you keep it under wraps and i think we need to acknowledge the power imbalance here like i think normally yeah. You think of like that Lorelai from Gilmore Girls where she's telling Rory that she shouldn't be getting with Dean because he's married and it's Mm. your responsibility as well. Like, I think that's my point of reference, but we have to acknowledge that he is an established, I wouldn't say A-lister, but let's give him B-list. Yeah, I think he's B-list. Like he's an established name. He's a household name. At this point, he was on The Voice, which is huge in America. She's 22, new to LA, trying to make a name for herself they're not on equal footing here. And I think that needs to be acknowledged. And I think fundamentally he's the guy in a married relationship. Absolutely. Multiple kids and another one on the way. Absolutely. And it's, it's no. a dirty story. I dirty agree. Story. Um, yeah. Now I want to talk about the absolute madness of oh, the yeah. UK media responding to Meghan Markle attending the queen's funeral and all that kind of went around it like it was insane yeah it's wild I'm so I'm so glad it's over because I I'm obviously living in London Mm. and it just felt like like shop windows were covered in like black fabric and stuff and it was like just pictures of Liz everywhere you went and it's like it's just so hard to understand the feeling of the of royalists because Mm. it's it's just not at all my it's not at all our lived history. Like yeah. that's not our, our perception. We obviously have a difficult history there and whether you, that affects you more than others, that's fine. But it's it's like the people who just really love the royal family and seeing that grief like mm. publicly is bizarre, like wild. But for me, the most interesting part of this is this media commentary. And like, this is beyond bullying now of what they're doing to Meghan yeah. Markle. This is like terrorizing her. Like, this is just, and I don't know, is it because when, before Meg's it, when they lived here and she had just married in, it was kind of a, not a slow build, but it was a build that we were all walking along with and seeing it progressively get worse. Mm. Whereas now she's been away for a while. You, you don't get as much of that. And mm. now all of a sudden it's like front page everywhere. You know, the smirk that she made to show she didn't care about her death and what this woman one strand of hair says about her feelings towards Prince Charles and all this yeah like the smirk like I mean she literally could have been burping who knows like it wasn't wasn't even a smile like just because she had one expression on at one moment that wasn't object misery like you know do you know what there's one there's one thread of media that I wish would just be banished for good and that is testimony from body language experts oh my god yes yes absolutely in nonsense nonsense just totally made up like I saw a TikTok of a girl and she was like look I just want to be she was like I'm there was a photograph 
of Megan hugging a, a person who was like behind a barrier, like a regular yes. person. And yes, there was a girl. Windsor Castle, yeah. Yeah. And there was a girl standing beside her. And the girl who was standing beside her made a TikTok to say like, it has been absolutely wild to watch what's happened. So basically the, the various media outlets and people online were saying that the girl who hugged Megan was a plant and that the yeah. girl beside her, this girl who was making the TikTok was also a plant that like, you know, they were put there by Megan's people to make Megan look good so that someone was seen to like her. They found old pictures from the Invictus games of a blonde woman and said that this girl was that blonde woman, even though <laughs> this girl was like 20 years younger than that woman. Like they said that she was the mother of the girl who was hugging Megan. And she said, no, actually, I literally just met that girl that day when we were standing there. Like she was like, it's in, it, it's, it's complete. Like, I mean, totally deranged, yeah. pulled out of thin air, yeah. fabrications, uh, you know, yeah. trying to make her look bad. It's I've ne like, I mean, we know that this stuff goes on, but I have never seen it so acutely as yeah. with Megan. Yeah. And I'm sure it was the it's, same with Diana, but like we didn't have the same kind of media or access. And also I was 14 or whatever. <laughs> yeah. Didn't have the same impact, I got to say. I also just think as well, like the amplification of social media just makes it so much worse. Yeah. Like I was so surprised because like, I think pretty much like I've created a bit of an echo chamber on Twitter where I've tried to get rid of as much of the shit that I don't want to see as it's possible. It's the only right? way, it's literally the only way to survive it's, on there. I, whatever you think about that, I don't care. I just need to keep it healthy and have the lols and get my bits of news. Yeah. And get, I mean, the way that I want to get them. I agree, right? pal. I couldn't believe how much of this anti-Megan, like, propaganda was infiltrating my news feeds. I was mm. like, don't you dare try and convince me that this is this is appropriate. Like, from, it was everything. It was absolutely everything was being analyzed. I mean, the holding of the hands between herself and Harry was front page news that it was a disgrace. It was a break yeah. in royal protocol. And Ugh. you watch the footage on TikTok and they play. They don't care about Royal Protocol anymore. That's the whole point. They don't give a fuck, <laughs> give a fuck about Royal, Pro Royal, Royal Protocol. Who, hon? Like who? Like she's not involved. We don't know her. Like if you, They played the video right up until Harry and Meghan, right? Like, so it's like Prince Charles and Camilla not holding hands. William and Kate not holding hands. Harry and Meghan holding hands. Keep playing that footage, guys. Zara Phillips and her husband are holding hands. Eugenie and Beatrice are holding their husband's hands. Like... There is, like, they will frame this in any way yeah. they need to. And you also need to remember, they're not working members of the royal family anymore. They've taken that hit. They've moved to America. Like, yeah. they've, left you, they've left you alone as much as is possible. They're not taking if the they money. Do, they're not doing, like, it's like wild. When, when you think that there is more forgiveness, and I, look, I know it's like a tired argument at this point, but when you think that there is more forgiveness for Prince Andrew, and mm. look, it's his mom's funeral, and let him wear the uniform as a mark of respect, it's his mother, and he should be there, and he should get, this man. yeah. <laughs> he is a predator. And you're saying, ah, but it's, it's his mom. Harry wanted to save his marriage and protect his wife's mental health. And you're like, fuck your granny's death. Stop holding her hand and back you go to Ugh, America. It's like, wild. I I truly yeah. do not understand. Like, I just don't understand. I don't, I don't either. Understand. And like, I actually haven't watched the full episode yet. It's on my list of things to do today. Um, This series that Oprah and Prince Harry co-created, which is called The Me You Can't See for Apple TV Plus. And um, yeah. I've just seen clips of Harry. It's, you know, obviously we've yeah. seen Harry talk about mental health and we've seen Harry and Meghan talk about the impact of all of this on them before. But Harry is explicit about Meghan 
having suicidal thoughts as a result of this kind of stuff and the impact that it had on him and their relationship and like you know this is no joke like they you know this is the impact of this stuff is as serious as it can be Um, and it's just appalling and I don't know how these outlets are still getting away with it, to be honest. Anyway, honestly, no, I, I could bang on about this all day. I know, but it's we such have a point to, of variation. Staying with the Queen's funeral, we just have one more story we have to refer to, which is the yes. drama around Holly Willoughby and Philip oh. Schofield. Uh, air quotes, skipping the queue to pay their respects this, to the Queen. Right, I know there's people who are like genuinely upset about this, right? But yeah. I just find this so bloody funny. I just think this is one of the best stories it's... ever, right? So the Queen is lying in state at Westminster Hall. She's there for, I think, eight days. Now, can and... I ask you a quick question? Do like you, you. Do you think she was really in the... Do you think she was in no. there? I don't either. No. I don't either. So they so they say that the, the coffin is like lead lined to like preserve the body. But like, I'm thinking like purely for like security reasons exactly I'm like I don't think she was there I just don't know I think in all of the like processions and like the funeral I think she was there but I think lying in state I don't know I think I don't you guys might have got a raw deal yeah. I don't know yeah yeah it's just my you. take I'm, anyway I'm absolutely yeah yeah look <laughs> conspiracy theories guys love them or hate them there. um so yeah the, the coffin is there we yeah. leave it up to your own opinions <laughs> on whether she's there or not. But there's people queuing. The queues are like up to five miles long. It's like 12, 15 hour wait. It's like, it's excruciating, right? Wild, yeah. Wild. And these clips come out of Holly and Phil kind of, and like, it's the facial expressions of the clips as well. They kind of look like they're like scurrying by. Mm. And the headlines were Holly and Philip skip the queue to mm. pay respects to Queen Elizabeth, blah, 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 Grant, right? This kind of echoed on for a few days and there was kind of rumblings that, oh, they're there for work, but it was like, it was really building and the frustration with them was really, really building. And this also comes off the back of Backlash. There's a game on this morning called Spin to Win, which there's like a big wheel and the the caller rings in. They spin the wheel, they win a sum of money and off they go with their prize, right? Mm. Winning streak vibes, you know what it is. And in a, a couple of weeks ago, because the cost of living crisis is obviously top of everyone's mind. Not right now, though, because we have a royal death. So forget <laughs> about your cost of living crisis yeah. there for a couple of weeks. Um, but while people are struggling to heat their homes and mourn the queen, um, they had this game and they changed one of the sums of money to household bills. And mm. it caused like this uproar on Twitter because people were like, how fucking out of touch is this from people who yeah. earn a stupid amount of money to be like, we're going to pay your energy bills up to 300 pounds a month, like putting these little caveats on it. Yeah. And then this clip of them skipping the queue came out and people were like rightly outraged. It came to a point where this morning had to like put out an official statement saying that Holly and Phil were there on a work capacity filming for a VT that was going to be shown on this morning this week. Now, I watched that VT on Tuesday when they came back mm. um, from morning because they were obviously off the air a lot of last week. And I watched the video and not once did we see a report. A report might have been a lot from in there. I don't think you're inside Westminster Hall being like, hi, guys, welcome to this morning. But there was nothing used from within Westminster Hall. It was footage that every other news channel had, kind of a a single camera shot of the the overview of the crowd coming Mm. in, filtering it. But there was nothing used. And Holly overdubs the the VT and in her narration in a very solemn and sad voice, you know, she Mm. says, you know, we queued to pay our last respects to Queen Elizabeth and you know, we were there with broadcasters and journalists from around the world to cover this as a news story. And by no means did we skip the queue. And it's like, 
you're trying so hard. You're trying so hard to, to squash this and it's just not being squashed. There's now a petition to get rid of them. Oh, I think, yeah. okay, I'm going to be real. I think this is total nonsense. Like, yeah. like my view is they were there working and yeah. in that capacity, like there's a, <laughs> I don't, I, I actually have a policy against looking on the Daily Mail, but just for professional reasons this morning, yeah. I looked, I'm, I'm looking at it right now. And the area where they were isn't in the queue per se. Like they didn't no. interfere with the queue at all. They were standing behind people who were continuing to pay their respects. And yes. they had a moment there behind the actual queue. They were there working. They were there anyway. So like if you're in the room anyway yep. working and you're walking by or you have an opportunity to walk by, you know, without interrupting what's yep. what's going on. Like, obviously, you're going to do that. Like, I just think it's I think it's it's been blown so out of proportion. Yeah. Like, it's beyond any reason, in my opinion. I think there now is a I did level fight of- with I have to I did fight with many people on Twitter about this. So I know that there will be people <laughs> who people. disagree with me. I think, but I think there is a level of frustration with Holly and Philip. And there is a certain part of the TV viewership who. Ha- who are kind of compounding all of these reasons and using this as their like aha we caught you moment yeah. and I think because it came out right after the footage of David Beckham queuing where he was made exactly yeah. Hero, yeah and you saw you know their their colleague Susanna Reid from from Good Morning Britain mm. was queuing and we saw and I think it was like this moment of like gotcha I don't think this yeah. is like and like you say I mean, as press, we've all covered events as press. I mean, yeah. I was at the royal visit when William and Kate came to Ireland, and so I was got I. access that nobody else got. Like, I, got I got to, I got to talk to them. <laughs> like I was actually like cheeky selfie with Kate and Will. Don't mind if I do. Like people could have absolutely been like, "Orla, how dare you get a selfie?" It's like well, I was here for work. Like I mean, yeah. I have to post a selfie on like the website that I work for. But like, yeah, I grabbed a selfie while I was. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I think as part there is there is a, f- a few perks to be media and press. Yeah. Right? Like financial return is not one of them. No. But access. <laughs> access. Well, see, maybe that's the problem where that is that for us, financial return is not yeah. one of them. But for Philip and Holly, Holly relate, it right? is. Do you know what I mean? Like it is. That is, can surely relate. I, maybe that is an important difference. Anyway, look, we, we have talked for so long and, and I cannot let you go without acknowledging. No, no, it's no problem. But I cannot let you go without acknowledging the drama. Um. <laughs> I just love this story so much about Simon Cowell being so desperate to get baby one more time for five that he offered Max Martin a Mercedes. A Mercedes. This is just so uh, funny I, to me. Do you know what I think is the funniest is that like when Max Martin said that the song was pro- so, the, so baby one more time was originally written for TLC and they turned it down. Right. Which yeah. is kind of a well-ish known pop culture story. Yeah. Britney, Britney Spears obviously released it as her first song. It's obviously ingrained in pop culture and like, you think about if that this had gone to five. Yeah. Like, tr- like truly the sequence of events that would have fallen out from that. Like what would have happened? That's I don't what know I keep that. thinking about. Like, would it have even been a hit? Who knows? This is, like, this is an episode of Black Mirror that I want. Do you know what I mean? I want to see <laughs> this plotted out. I want to see what happens. Like five become like the new NSYNC or something. Yes. Like that, right? <laughs> but it's, it's the fact that when Max Martin was like, I've promised it to somebody, it's this girl, Britney Spears. And Simon says... I'll give you like some advice. No one called Britney Spears is ever going to be a big name. And it's like, it's just, it's just funny. It's just one of those really funny stories because it's baby one more time. Britney Spears is so iconic pivotal yeah. in the pop culture landscape. And like some people will just dismiss it as a song, right? But it wasn't, it was like, 
fashion influence, music influence, you know, dance influence, a person who became pivotal in 90s and early noughties mm. pop culture that totally shifted. Yeah, everything. And it's like, and it's I like mean, to- no disrespect, five, but like, <laughs> I you saw know. five live this summer. Look, they still got, well, not all five. Was, I four, was it four of them or three? I think it might have been three. Yeah, they're they, great though. They've reformed as a trio. I mean, look, get on up. When you're, down. when you're down like amazing song no disrespect to five but they're no britney spears let's just be honest no they're not they did have some bangers though they did, they did. i agree I, I fully agree um but I'm, glad, I'm glad simon didn't win that one you know me what I mean? too me too yeah. um orla it is time to say goodbye I, like i have so so enjoyed chatting to you if you want more of orla uh-huh. go and check out don't quote me it's out now the first episode so you can enjoy it um and get more of your pop culture fix and orla i'm sure we'll chat again absolutely you have to come on because i want to get your oh, I'd love I, to. we have more time to chat yeah you know? i'd love that i don't i don't know when to stop recording so i'm like four hours here you go <laughs> <laughs> i love it now it is time for me to go but thank you so much for being with me i don't have a lot of recommendations it was a really busy week and i didn't get a lot of uh media consumption in but what i will say is i know i recommended industry recently and it is back for season two on tuesday on the bbc i think it's i don't know it was a bbc one or bbc two but anyway you know you know what I'm saying. It's back. And it's been a really good series too. So highly recommend getting on that. And then another show that I watched recently, which I really loved, was The Bear. Um, if you are online at all, you've probably heard about this show because it's been celebrated so much and it was on a while ago in the US. But it is finally going to be available here. It's going to be on Disney Plus on October 5th. So maybe mark that in your calendar. Um, it is such a good show. It's about a chef who is like a world-class kind of best restaurant in the world style chef. Um, And then there is a bereavement in his family and he has to go home to kind of run their small family restaurant. And it's just brilliant, like really brilliant. Very hard not to devour all at, at once because it's eight episodes, but definitely keep an eye out for that. That's October 5th. Anyway, just about time for me to go. I hope you have a good week. And if you don't, that's okay too. As I always say, not every week can be a good week. Thanks to all of my brilliant contributors and to the team at ACAST. I will talk to you next week. Small details are big surfaces, tight corners are odd shapes, flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rustolium. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? 
Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com.